Welcome to the Prescription Podcast. This podcast is being developed with the aim to keep the public informed on the relevant and updated health information. This podcast is hosted by me, Zichin. I am a gastroenterologist currently practicing in the Kuala Lumpur. And I'm Ian, general surgeon also practicing in Kuala Lumpur. So we are at episode three. Time okay. flies, yeah? Time flies. So this podcast was started with the initial intention to provide some um, health information in the gut and liver series. So in conjunction with Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month, which is March this month, um, we have earlier on recorded a version, uh, loaded a version on episode two, where we talk on colorectal cancer screening. So before we move on to episode three, we'd like to recap what we talked about in the last episode. So we mentioned about colorectal cancer screening, where according to the Malaysian National Guideline, I uh, recommend to start screening at 50 years old. If there is a risk factors, for example, family history, you are advisable to start even earlier. So also mention about some signs and symptoms of uh, colorectal cancer. For example, if there is a change in bowel habit, there's presence of bleeding when you are passing stool. There's presence of um, unexplained abdominal pain, tummy ache. Yeah, When there is um, unexplained loss of weight, loss of appetite, you are advisable to seek early treatment with your family doctors. Yep, right? That's a good summary. I think all I can remember is blue ribbon, eat healthy, exercise. <laughs> yeah, those are the general advices, right? Yes. Yeah. So just a bit of facts before before we move on. Yeah, yeah? just for some con- continuity sake so that everyone knows uh, we're on the same page. Yeah. So I think we're going to continue today uh, a little bit more about colorectal cancer. So in particular, yeah, treatment. Yeah, we're going to talk more about treatment the stages of cancers. I think that's what people are very interested to know about yep. because in our day in day out practice, yeah, when we diagnosed a cancer, a colon rectal cancer, the first question that the patient would like to ask is what stage am I in? Yeah. So we'd like to just share about what are the outcome, you know, if we are being diagnosed in the early stage and late stage. Yeah, I think first of all, just to make sure everyone's on the same page, there are four stages. One, two, three and four. The smaller the number, of course, the better the cancer is. The early stages are stage one and two, three and four are a little bit more advanced. Stage four is where the cancer has already spread beyond the bowel. Yep. And also the outcome. Common terms, we use prognosis, but that is what we meant outcome, outcome. in layman. Yep. So usually we look at a five years survival rate, meaning mm-hmm. that when once the person is being diagnosed to have cancer and how many patients will remain alive, you know, after five years. So the earlier that you're being diagnosed in the early stages, stage one or two, yeah, especially if you're being diagnosed at stage one, the outcome is as good as 90%, mm. meaning that... That's really um, good. Let's say 100% is being diagnosed to have colon cancer. 90 of them will remain alive at five Five years years and live more than five years and above. So if you're being diagnosed at stage four, meaning that the cancer has spread to other organs outside the colon, the prognosis, the outcome is very very poor. It's as slow as 15 and maybe less. Maybe less. Actually, maybe more these days. Actually, with more treatment, we have actually quite a bit of advancement in terms of uh, colorectal cancer which we will talk about shortly just not in, in terms of surgery there's other treatment that we put on or give extra as well on top of just procedures and surgeries right yeah definitely so in Malaysia our local status yeah most of our patients still presented very late at yeah. stage 3 and stage 4 meaning at advanced stages yeah so about 60 to 70% presented in that stage yeah therefore hence this podcast is there to actually promote and raise the awareness on screening the importance of screening 
because yeah. with screening, picking up stage one and two, which stands a higher chance, they are most of the time asymptomatic. There will be no symptoms. Yeah. yeah. Come to think of it, I think people are just quite worried to come early for screening, right? I don't think anyone looks forward to being scoped. I don't think you do. Neither do I. But uh, hopefully that, you know, once we've presented all these facts with, to you guys, you know, you will consider the importance of screening and go for an early screen. Yeah, that's the whole purpose of having this podcast yep. and to raise the awareness. So people know about facts and figures and then they can bring this to speak to their family doctors or the respective doctors yeah. and then get the more appropriate, tailor-made, individualized approach and how we're going to tackle this. I think let's end entice people, give some, some good reasons why they should screen early because if you catch them in stage 1 and 2 Yeah, so the reason to screen is to catch you early yes. yeah, at stage 1 and 2. If you're stage 1 and 2, most of the time, you know, we can treat it if it's appropriate after appropriate assessment by the expert, you can even remove it with your endoscopy or your colonoscopy with itself uh, yes. with a scope. Yes. Yeah, with the camera that puts in to examine you, you can remove it with that itself. Which means not such a big surgery. Yep, it's, it's not even called a surgery. Yeah. It's just a procedure. procedure. Yeah. 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 Most of the time, you can just go through it by sedation. You do not need general anesthesia. The procedure time is short. It's not as long as the surgery where you have to even go through and being assessed if you're suitable for general anesthesia or not. And go home the same day. And go home the same day. Yeah, yeah. I think nobody likes staying in the hospital. Yes. Hospital food's not great. <laughs> Yeah, certainly no one likes. Food is not nice. The bed is not nice. Yep. Okay. But if you are presented and diagnosed to have stage 3 and 4, what are the options there now these days? Yeah, so stage 3 and 4, which are actually the bulk of patients. Actually, a lot of patients actually do present with stage 4. Right? Yeah, they, in Malaysia. They have, yeah, yeah, they have 60, a lot 70%. of symptoms and sometimes they just ignore it. Uh, I think with the more senior generation, if I can put it very nicely, uh, they don't believe in seeking out help. They believe that if they endure it, somehow it go away until they can't endure it anymore and then they finally come. So a lot of them come in stage 4. Some of them are fortunate if they detect some differences in their bowel movement or they see some blood, they come in and they are stage 3. So these are the more advanced uh, cases. If one does come with a stage 4 advanced case, it's not really the end of the world. There are more options now for treatment. So I would still implore all those who think that they've missed the boat. You've not. Please do still come for treatment. But for those in stage 3, nowadays we offer, first of all, surgery. And then we have treatment on the side. Additional treatments, sorry, if I can say. Uh, chemotherapy or radiotherapy, depending on the location of the cancer. So I think we painted this cancer very broadly. We said colorectal. There's actually two parts. There is the colon and there's the rectum. Treatment protocols differ slightly depending on where the cancer arises. But, you know, that's just broadly painted as you have surgery and then you can have extra therapy like chemo or radio as well on top of that. Yeah. In this era, we mostly talk about individualized therapy. Yes. Definitely, there are guidelines Correct. by various society. Generally, we follow the guidelines and the international recommendations. recommendations. Yeah. But, however, when it comes to every individual, it is very individualized, tailor-suit, tailor, tailor 
treatment for that individual. So I do get a lot of patients that come and say, oh, so-and-so patient A, their Had friend, this. yeah, were yeah. doing this. Can I do that? So it is not a blanket treatment. Yeah, Correct. It's always individualized. What suits your friend or yeah. another individual may not be suitable for you. So speak to the expert. It is always a team effort yeah, in the management of these patients. I think the other fear of people coming to the doctor is because they fear the treatment, right? So when it's surgery, when it's radiotherapy, when it's chemotherapy, the big question is, does it hurt? Can I recover from this? How long after I've had any of this procedure or surgery, I can recover from it? So I think in terms of surgery, we have advanced quite a bit, not just in the world, but in Malaysia as well. We used to do a lot of what we call open surgery, which means big opening in the tummy to remove the tumor. Uh, but we have now moved more towards laparoscopic, which key is keyhole surgery. surgery. Right. Um, some, some doctors actually like to say laser, but it's not quite accurate. There's no Star Wars here. It's more of a keyhole, which means which makes small little holes in the abdomen and we do most of the surgery using a camera and our little tools. So with keyhole surgery, the recovery is better, less pain, right? In, imagine a big wound versus small little wound. So Ian, who do you think is suitable for laparoscopic surgery, keyhole surgery? Depending on expertise of the surgeon, uh, to be frank, yeah, I mean, I don't put it on anyone, but it depends very much on the expertise of the surgeon. Of course, in someone with experience, they may be able to even do very, very big tumors or even what we call stuck to other organs. So it depends very much on the skills uh, and depends very much on the patient's tolerability if they can last a longer surgery. Because of course, the more complex it is, the more time it will take to do it laparoscopically versus if you do it open. So always speak to your surgeon, okay? Depending on the case of the tumor that you have, as we mentioned earlier, it's always individualized. Even though the surgeon is skillful enough to perform a laparoscopic or a keyhole surgery, it may be the tumor that you have is not suitable for that. Yeah. So it's always individualized. Yeah. Speak to your doctor. I think, I think what, what we're trying to do with this podcast is also to give enough information so that you know, if you're listening into this and if unfortunately you have colorectal cancer, we hope to give you a bit more information to go to your surgeon or your doctor so that you can ask the appropriate questions to get the appropriate answers as well. I don't think we can really actually cover everything in this yes, podcast. Definitely. Just a disclaimer. Yeah. Yeah. It is just an idea for you because I think in our daily practice, we do encounter a lot of patients who come and have no clue, no idea Correct. and doesn't know what to ask. Yes, yeah, They are yes. at a loss. Yes. So, so the Especially purpose when you of this... The bad news. Yeah. yeah, so they need a time to in the first you know to be in denial and then they will be at lost and at least we hope that this to a certain extent would be able to guide them yeah the next question that probably people ask is that sometimes they've heard relatives having this surgery they see something called a stoma so what is a stoma well let me just quickly explain to my best ability it's basically a man-made opening where normal passage of stool in this case is diverted to outside of the body not through the usual manner right so instead of passing motion through the how can i put it gently the butthole the back passage the, the back anus, passage the anus I think. yeah okay yeah, I yeah. Think, people will I know think people will know okay yep. so in, instead of passing stool feces through that it basically comes out into a back in the area of the tummy yeah any yeah. part of your tummy so yep. depending on the site of the tumor as well and your surgeon or your surgery. doctor will plan the surgery appropriately correct so i think that itself is a very huge stigma 
right? People think like, oh no, I have now feces coming out and you know, while I'm talking to people, will people smell it? Will people fear me? People shun me, right? I think those are very, very relevant questions. I think even if I were to go through for any kind of surgery or if I had to go through that, that would definitely run through my mind. Yeah, it's, it's a pity, you know, many a times people refuse treatment just because they do not just want a stoma. stoma yeah. Yeah, so um, the understanding of it, what it is, of course, it does take time to actually accept it. But I think let's see what we can discuss a little bit more here and give you a bit more insight. Yeah, I think generally when we talk about bowel stomas, we first of all want to know whether it's permanent versus something that will be reversed down the road, which means put back into the tummy and the normal passage of stool goes on as per usual. So sometimes, actually a lot of times, we do these stomas as temporary measure uh, because we're worried about when we connect back the bowels, it will leak. It will leak, meaning it doesn't join back and doesn't function uh, yes. back as just how like a, it used just like to a be. Pipe. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this bowel work is Really, pretty much plumbing work is like pipe, piping work right so yeah it's exactly what I mean leak yeah it, it's not joined properly and it, feces comes out from where it's not supposed to be so I think like a good plumber we want to avoid leaks you know it doesn't look good because it can lead to other complications right infection and whatnot okay anyway let's not talk about that we're not talking about plumbing work today so a lot of times when we do create a stoma, it's actually temporary. We do hope to reverse it in the future. And um, there are though cases where if the tumour is in a place very close to the exit of okay, the anus, patients may end up with a permanent stoma. So those are in select few cases. But as doctors, we pretty much want to preserve the patient's function and normality as much as possible. So we will try to create a stoma that is reversible. The other things that people worry about is like the smell. Can they do normal activities? Yeah, I think with the advances, yeah, there are many, many types of stoma bag designs. They're pretty much odorless if it's sealed well and patient with appropriate training will be able to learn how to clean up and slowly adapt to the bags yeah, that they have. Definitely takes time. Yep. Yep. You need to change your mindset about how things are. You need to learn, you need to adapt to... I mean, it's a new thing in one's life, of course. Yeah. It will take time to adapt. Definitely. But are you able to, many a times patients will ask, can I still go back to my normal life? Can I go out shopping? Can I go out dining with my yeah. friends and family? Yeah. yeah. Can I exercise? I mean, for all you know, when you walk in a mall, there are people among the shopping visitors who actually have stomach bags and you don't know. It's yeah. that concealed. It's not concealed. visible. Yeah, it's concealed. It's yeah. hidden under the shirt, the blouses that you wear. Correct. Unless you want to go on with a bikini, yeah, then definitely you'll be uh, shown. Well, maybe it's a new fashion statement. <laughs> <laughs> but I think whatever whatever it is, there there are communities to help support. I think we have great stoma nurses who can give you good advice on how to handle the stoma bag and how to handle any problems that arise from it. But I think more importantly is to be within a certain community that knows how to use these stoma bags because you can troubleshoot problems together. You know, maybe someone already has gone through the same problem as you have or the patient has, right? And they can reach out to these people. Yeah. So I think in Malaysia itself, we have, from what I can find, uh, from two different sites. One is called Corum, C-O-R-U-M dot com dot my. And uh, there's one more called the Malaysia Ostomy Association or MOSA, M-O-S-A. 
of course, I'm sure, you know, whatever doctor or surgeons that you're attached to will also lead you to this people to help you assimilate into this community, right? Yeah, when a stoma is being planned, definitely a stoma nurse will be there to yeah. guide you and to teach you as well. So there will be a point of contact for you for all the troubleshoot, all the problems that arises. Yeah, they are there to help you to go through it. Yep, I think the final piece of treatment for colorectal cancer is sometimes chemotherapy and radiotherapy. Most people, when they hear these words, they are also very, very worried. You know, they tell me that, oh, I heard that so-and-so had it and they had a very, very tough time. They couldn't eat. They were vomiting all the time. They lost their hair. To a certain extent, it's not completely untrue. There is some truth to it. But I think we have progressed quite a bit since it all started. More and more of the chemo is better tolerated with medication being given on top of the chemotherapy. So we try to make the patients as comfortable as possible. And actually, I find a lot of my patients who undergo chemotherapy, they do have some side effects, but they generally say it's not as bad as they think it is. Yeah. Right. Again, getting the information and being in a community with the same kind of people would probably help that. Yes, there are many, many types of chemo out there. Most of the time, the oncologist, the cancer doctor, mm. would actually give a few options and see what suits you the best yeah. and what you are more com- the most comfortable with. And yep, they yep. will go ahead and try that out. Yes, from the olden days, the side effect of losing hair, losing weight, yeah, nauseous, and all that has been pretty much improved, yeah. very much improved uh, have, these days. Yeah, it's better. Yeah, it's much better. The profile of the chemo is better tolerable these days. And they adjust it accordingly as well. Yes. Yep. Okay. Okay, I think uh, we've covered pretty much treatment. We talked about surgery, we talked a little bit about chemo and radio. Well, not too much in depth just to give a little bit of information like we said just want to help you guys understand a little bit better what's being done for colorectal cancer so in hopes that you have enough information to discuss with your doctor if you need to right yes yeah, yeah. so we still want to stress about colorectal cancer screening the yes. aim is to pick up early disease That's right want to pick up early stages stage one two where your five years survival rate is more than 90 percent mm. okay so i think this will probably end this session session here yep. please email us at our email prescription pod p-r-e-s-c-r-i-p-t-i-o-n-p-o-d at gmail.com if you have any questions all right till then till next episode thank you very much bye thank you bye